Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bitches, Witches, and Queers, a podcast dedicated to those who have left religion behind and are now seeking to rebuild their lives through self-exploration, play, and spirituality. I, your host, Christina Carlson, am an embodiment and intuition coach. I work with bitches, witches, and queers to discover their own worth and value and learn how to trust themselves to create the lives they want. I am an experimenter by nature, so this podcast, like my life, is an offering in flux. What you find here will be diverse and, hopefully, interesting. One thing you can know for sure is that we will get good and curious here. Welcome. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to share with you today's episode with Jade McKenzie. I have recorded with her before. Um, If you haven't, I highly recommend going back and listening to that. Um, But you don't need to in order to understand this episode. In this episode, we talk about being a parent and we discuss mom guilt and traveling as a parent and Honestly, like an anxiety and honestly, everything that affects humans on a very down to earth level. If you've listened to the other podcasts or you know Jade, you know that she is very authentic and will not bullshit about anything and has the hugest heart for humans. And I absolutely adored this conversation with her. And there's so much in here that everyone can gain from just listening to what she has to say and hearing her experiences. Um, Yeah, without further delay, uh, I hope you enjoy this incredible conversation with Jade. Um, I recommend having the volume up a little bit for this. The conversation and the microphone that I was using weren't the best. Um, But yeah, well, well worth a listen. So excited you're here. So excited for you to hear this conversation. Um, And I want to let you know that I'm going to be releasing another episode pretty soon with um, someone I'll be introducing you to who's going to be regularly on the podcast with me. Um, Yeah, it's going to be amazing. There's so many good things, so many good things coming your way, and I cannot wait to share them with you. Okay, enjoy this conversation, and I'll talk to you soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bitches, Witches, and Queers, coming to you from Hawaii with jade mckenzie yay in bed in bed we are all we are on a queen-size bed in the hyatt (laughs) (laughs) living large and there's a crib next to us (laughs) (laughs) which uh we were just talking about um authenticity and how the reality of being a mom and uh in business and how there's just there's kind of a persona about having it all that tends to say like it's so great and you know it is um but there's tends to be a glossing over of the reality of that experience so i just i kind of want to know like if before you got into business or you know having a kid like what was your expectation of things and if there's like a like an adjustment period of like oh oh shit this is real life Oh my gosh. Yes, to an adjustment period. I don't know. Where do I even begin with this? I feel like, you know, looking back throughout my life, I always wanted a child. Always. Mm. Always wanted a, I always wanted two children, mm. a girl and a boy, and that's what I had. 
but I just like I loved kids they were always around you know I had jobs where I worked with kids and I got along with them so well Mm. and I thought this is so amazing can't wait to be a mum then I became a mum and I was like what the fuck is this (laughs) like (laughs) what the fuck actually it was not the the same (laughs) yeah it was like I can't even describe it, but I I actually, and I see a lot of mums go through this now. Um, I was one of the first mums in my group of friends, the first Mm. to have a child. And so even that in itself is really difficult because your girlfriends are like the people who hold you up, you know, Mm. and they're like, it's okay, it'll be okay, just do this, everything will be fine. But when no one around you knows what the fuck to do when your baby hasn't stopped screaming for like three weeks and you haven't mm-hmm. had sleep and they've got colic and they've got reflux and they've got this and they've got that and you're recovering from an emergency cesarean and you're like, oh, my titties hurt so much <laughs> and they're bleeding and it's oh. and All the things, you kind of go, what is this? Like... Mm. How is this so different to what I thought parenting would be? It was so funny because I think a lot of people can relate when I say you're a great parent, you're the perfect parent until you have a kid yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. It's so easy to be like an auntie or a babysitter or a kid's best friend because mm-hmm. you, you give them home. But you give them back. Yeah, you can, you send them away at the end of the day. Yes. But with parenting, you know, um, and of course there's so much good stuff, mm-hmm. but I don't need to highlight that. I think like right now what I want to talk about, about is the realness of it. Um, with parenting, it's relentless. Yeah. You just don't get a break uh, mentally, physically, spiritually. You'll never be the same again. Yeah. So many things have happened to you that break you into a million pieces, but also hold your heart together mm-hmm. in a really beautiful and complex way. You'll never question yourself more. You'll never understand what you stand for as strongly as when you have kids. Mm-hmm. And oh, fuck, it's a lot. It's a lot. And it takes people years, decades, lifetimes to sort through it all. Like think about us and our childhoods and the things we've gone through when we're still wading through all of that. So mm. when we've got this extra layer of taking care of these little human beings and you had a particular idea of what parenting was and then you come into what it actually is, uh, yeah, yeah. There's a gap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 1,000%. It's – I like that you mentioned uh, how you never know how – like what you really stand for. I mean, not that you never know, but you never know as strongly if that's your life path than in those moments with your kids. I'm curious if there's, like, something in particular that came to mind when you said that. Not one thing in particular, but a few things have definitely happened 
with my daughter. So I have two kids. Cerise has just turned 10 and Hendrix is about to turn two in the next month. My accidental, but always was going to be here. The timing was off, baby. Um, <laughs> is that all in parentheses? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Always meant to be here, but the timing was off, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's his subtitle. Um, but with Cerise, it was so interesting because she always, always felt like a part of me. It, it's almost like my body split and not into two, but like a part of me, just my soul, my spirit, my physical being split off into this human being and I really wanted her to have the life that I kind of craved when I was growing up because, Mm. you know, um, I'm a first-generation Australian. Mm. We grew up with very little money. Um, My parents are like blue-collar working parents working in healthcare. Um, I am an only child, so I always had this sense of loneliness and I always wanted siblings. My cousins were like my siblings, but, you know, it's very different when you don't live with them. Mm. And, you know, I went to school. My dad had a black belt in karate, so I went to karate, but it's not like I got to experience what other kids in Australia do where they have school holidays together and they go off and they go camping or they go to the beach and they do all that. Like I would just be at my man's house Mm. um, to get looked after or I'd go to my cousin's. Um, When we'd go overseas, it was to the Philippines. And, you know, it's very humbling even as a five-year-old to go over there and your earliest memories are of, people trying to get in the locked car doors as you're driving through and they're holding these children that, you know, are missing limbs or obviously very sick um, and they're just wanting money and you're just, you know, being uh, completely just caught off guard by what a developing country is like at a very young age. I can't explain it very well because it just feels like a lot of um, – I think that was really traumatic for me as a kid to mm. be faced with that. Yeah. Um, so there was always this sense of loneliness and isolation and I never quite fit in anywhere. Mm. You know, the only place I did fit in really was the library where <laughs> I just read so many books I would like Aww. max out the number of books um every single week and I'll just read them all and I had my music I was like into Seattle grunge I was into metal I was into all of this like growing up and I had a handful of friends I was friends friendly with everyone mm. but connected in really deep with like two or three people mm. um and it was always like this sense of searching and longing and so I didn't want Cerise to grow up like I wanted mm. her to explore what lights her up. Mm. Like she's so good at dancing and arts and creativity and drawing and writing and, you know, I'll let her do anything around those. I'll never say no to things like that. Sugar, 
Yes. Netflix, yes. YouTube, yeah. I'll always have restrictions on that. But, like, the things that really give her joy, she could do whatever she wants and I'll always support that. And confidence, I was always so meek, so quiet, so shy, like cripplingly shy. If anyone looked at me, I would go bright red, mm. you know. I always always wanted to hide. I always wanted to be invisible. Um, and, you know, I always wanted her to have confidence and to be able to speak and to have yeah. leadership abilities because I feel like I found my footing in my 30s, really, mm. and that's too late, like, for a child of mine that I want to be so happy and we're talking about thriving on Friday. Yeah. I want her to thrive. I want her to feel like she can be such a beautiful part of this world. I'm going to get emotional. Um, that matters. Yeah. Yeah. So I think when I talk about parenting and when I talk about those things, it's with that in mind I acknowledge that she is a child but to me her presence matters and I feel like she can matter to the world too at no matter what age yeah that's so beautiful <laughs> for her to have that and have you believing in her that much is already such a powerful thing yeah. Because the way that way that our generation was raised was that kids don't matter as much. Like you didn't really get a voice until you became an adult and could make money, you know? Mm. And our opinions, no matter how we felt, didn't matter. It was about just like surviving. Mm. So offering your daughter and caring about the things that she cares about. And believing her when she tells you those things is so valuable. Yeah. Yeah. How has it been? Like, how, because I know you do travel for work. We are in Hawaii. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm curious how often you travel and, like, how it's been having kids in that process. And I know we can't take a video of the room right now. <laughs> but that could tell a story, too. Yes. <laughs> I I mean more like emotionally, like yeah. being gone or having them with you, just like the experience of that, and and also like what what is it that felt like that made you decide that that was like for you? Yeah, it's so interesting because I have so much to say on this topic, and I think even before having Hendrix. I had a slightly different opinion on things. Um, but having Hendrix has strengthened it even more. Mm. And so the first thing I'll say is I just could not give a fuck about mum guilt. Like I don't believe in it. I just think the whole thing sucks. Yeah. And I think it's used to, you know, judge people, oppress people. Um, yeah. I might, I might stop at that, but I don't subscribe to it. Yeah. And I feel like all women um, or all, you know, carers of children in that parenting role shouldn't have to deal with the burden of what that is because mentally 
it can be a lot, especially when people get it from family or friends and they get that judgment. So I've worked really hard to be like, I don't want to feel it. I don't want to have it as part of my life. I will never put that on another person. And um, if anyone were to judge me, I would not tell them to fuck off. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think. You would your, would your eyes tell them to fuck off? Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I just think what a terrible thing to put on to someone. Mm. Um, and there's obviously systems and structures in place that make people feel that and I think we should get rid of them. Um, but I'm not very articulate, so I won't talk about that too much more. But what we talk about travel. So travel with kids. The thing is when I started my business, I've always been entrepreneurial, always built up other people's businesses, always loved that so much. My life is not in neat little boxes. I don't compartmentalise my work life and my personal life. It's all one. Mm. It's messy, it's chaotic, it's fun, it's shit, it's amazing, it's whatever it is, but it's always in one. And I love it when my worlds collide. I wouldn't have it any other way. Mm. I am, I don't know, Neptune or Pluto, however many fucking moons. I'm Saturn with the rings. Like, we're all as one, people. (laughs) (laughs) However many fucking moons is the best way to describe astrology. (laughs) Yeah. Love it. And so that's how I live my life, you know. And in the schoolyard, I'm only friends with the mums at school that I get along with in real life. I don't need to appease people and be a good school mum by being friends with everyone. I couldn't give a shit. I um and I've I feel like that's been amplified even more the more I am in my business, the more I'm living my life like this. Mm. I've just never been good at separating it. So travel and kids is always something that was hand in hand because mm. Although Australia and Melbourne is my home and I love it there and every time we come home from the airport and we go over this particular bit and then you go and you see the city, Mm. it's my city and I love it but my heart feels like it belongs in many other countries Mm. in the world and we're nomadic Mm. and my kids will be nomadic too. They love it. So we travel a lot. Um, A lot of it is work. About 90% of it is work. And it's given me such great opportunity to do things, see things, experience things with my children and partners and um, friends. And um, it gets messy at times. So I think there's, you know, there's travel that you need to take without your children Mm. and a lot of women struggle with that they're always like oh I can't be away from my child overnight or I've they're 18 and I've never spent a night away from them and everybody has to do what feels right for them Mm. and for me I just think if you want to do that and the only thing stopping you is the thought that you could potentially be a bad mum because you're doing it. I think you should actually go out there and try and move through it 
mm-hmm. and expand your horizons and do something for yourself mm-hmm. because no one else is probably thinking that except for you. I struggled with it a little bit, but now being on this trip, I'm like, oh, I'm so ready to travel without my kid. <laughs> like, so much fun and also a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of people to be coordinating. Oh, my God. And there's just no personal space. I remember when I first had series, I was like, is that like a support group for introverted parents? Like... This is a lot. I need space. I just. Like, where's my time? Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> and then, like, with a toddler, it's just so hard. So I think what I'm trying to say is, you know, travel with or without your kids is all, um, you just got to do what you got to do and enjoy it either way. If your kids are at home, enjoy having time and space to yourself and if they're with you, Enjoy those moments too and then maybe book yourself a holiday afterwards because you'll need it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, I love that you said you don't subscribe to mom guilt. I think you said you can fuck off with mom guilt or something. I'm going to go back and find that. Quote. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a – I feel like it's a process and also, like, it sounds like you just made a decision and we're like, I'm not going to fuck with this because you didn't have time to. Mm. Which is, is that like, did that happen over time? Or was that like, as soon as you had Cerise, you're just like, fuck it, I'm not dealing with this. <laughs> I think it took me a good two years mm. to really feel that. Uh, I had to be away from her for work. And it was literally, it wasn't even interstate, it was regional and I had to drive um, an hour and then be there for two nights. And, you know, first-time parent, you're always going to worry about stuff. But mm. my mum had it all fine. My husband at the time was fine. You know, they can they could live without me. <laughs> I wasn't the be-all and end-all, you know. Yeah. And there was another time I went one day for a work event and my mum, oh, my gosh, talking about like mother-daughter relationships, is there anything more like so sentimental and yet so frustrating? (laughs) Like mums, they really know how to annoy you (laughs) and... (laughs) I know because I annoy my daughter, but <laughs> she's like, Mom, why do you laugh so much? I'm like, seriously, you're picking on me because I laugh a lot? But I do that with my mom too. I'm like, oh gosh, you do laugh at a lot of things. <laughs> but my mom, she was like, oh, she took her very first steps. And I was at this event and I was devastated. I was actually, do you know, do you know Gala Darling? Uh oh. It was her her event with the um, Blood Academy girls and I told them, mm. I was like, I think my daughter just took her first steps and they were like, oh, that's so cute. And then my mum exaggerates everything. She had held on to the Oh, furniture. good God. Yeah. 
And I had really questioned. I was like crying because I'd missed this. Yeah. And I was like, what am I doing? I'm away from my daughter, like her very first steps. And so there was, of course, little wonky moments like that where it's like, is this the right decision for me and my family? What do I want to be there for? How do I make it work for us? Um, and what am I going to have to be okay with if I choose one thing? I know I miss out on something else. Mm. You know, you say yes to something, you say no to something else. What is that? And what do I want to willingly potentially give up? Mm. But at about two years in, I was just like, no, you know what? I'm good. I'm good. I've been there for like, the big things, I did see her very first step. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, gotten through that newborn and, and was going through the toddler stage. And and then I was just like looking around and seeing all these things with mums who were just feeling so horrible about being in business and apologising for who they were. And I was like, what the fuck for? Like in the Philippines... There is so much poverty. There is barely any opportunity. If you have resources, support, love, foundations in your life that allow you to do what you love, you know, and your kids thrive and they're surrounded by people who love them and they get to do these incredible things and be loved by other people and be part of a community, the hell are we feeling bad for? <laughs> like, what? I'm so sorry yeah. you have this quote-unquote terrible life where you get to go to New York or you get to go to Byron Bay, you get to hang out with, you know, people who spoil you and love you and, you know, what do we put so much emphasis on it for? Mm-hmm. Like, why? Yeah. I wouldn't feel like this if I was a dad. I'd get a pat on the back if I was a dad. Uh-huh. Look at the things you're doing for your family. Oh, you're such a good father. <laughs> there, was this, there was this moment, uh, it was like right after my daughter was born. My husband and I took her to the chiropractor. We were going to this chiropractor. And um, I walk in, this is like a week after giving birth. I'm so fucking miserable. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, hi, you know, whatever. And they're like, oh, let me see the baby. You know, baby gets the attention, which is fine. But then he was like, she started crying and he picked up the carrier and was swinging her. And all the ladies were like, oh, look at the good death. (laughs) I just about lost my shit. I just looked at him and I was like, (laughs) yeah. Did you birth this child? Like, what is going on? Are you still bleeding from, you know? Yeah. He came out of me. Like, I say I that all the me. time with Hendrix. I always say to Hayden. Like, even now, like I said, Henny is just about to turn two. And I'm like, no, you can change that, Nappy, because he got cut out of me. I got cut in half. I literally I lost my shit. <laughs> so now you get to change him. <laughs> Fair trade. Yeah. Well, you wanted this, so. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I find that really encouraging and inspiring, and I know a lot of people will as well, because there's, there's like, the extremes of things, like, 
you need to go into business and you need to do all of this. And then there's that you need to stay home and you need to spend all your time with your kids. And we're not hearing a lot of like balance and like, sure, maybe you can work part-time or maybe you can travel with your kids and take them to places while you work. Like there's, there's more than probably a million ways of being a parent. And there is no room for that guilt when you're trying to actually use your energy to accomplish something. Yeah. I don't understand it. Like, I don't understand where it comes from because it's, it's kind of like, you know, um, on Friday we were talking about anxiety, right? Just a little bit. And you're like, well, I said, (laughs) what is anxiety and what is me? And sometimes I struggle um to really articulate or understand okay what is a societal conditioning what is like considered normal what is whatever whatever the box is and what is me wanting something uh, that I feel will help create a loving happy family and life for all of us mm. and it does get really muddy and blurred those lines mm. but it's just so crazy like where does this pressure come from yeah what's the outside world and what is you and your wants and needs and desires yeah i think there's a lot of things at play there because you have you have your history and the expectations that were put on your parental figures and like depending on gender you've got mom roles and like those specific dynamics that like even if they're not stated explicitly we watch our parents raise us and that's the blueprint we have and so if we do something different it it I think it takes a lot of work to let that guilt go because it's like all of those stories about who we quote unquote should be yeah and it's it's a process that's true it's very true yeah the blueprint Blueprint. i like that so with with the anxiety thing i would love to ask about that too because um it is it is really critical and like i know there's this like I don't, I don't know what it is, a story, people, the way people describe, like, emotions. It's, like, emotions are the waves, you are the wave. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, anxiety. Like, when it's overwhelming anxiety or a panic attack, you're forgetting that you're not the waves. You're the shore. Mm-hmm. And these are just coming and going. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, like, how you uncovered, and I think you talked a little bit about this in your speech, but, like, how you uncovered the difference between yourself, the shore, and the waves? It took me so long. Mm. I didn't even know I had anxiety. Mm. I didn't know it was a thing. And, you know, talking about my children, that's another thing um, that I really want to support and help them with. It's like mental health, even spiritual health, you know, Mm. just understanding what emotion is and, how to move through it, um, you know, I can't say as painlessly as possible because there's no such thing. Like <laughs> emotion is, oh, 
pretty painful at times, but <laughs> at least to have somebody to guide them there because, again, that was something that was lacking when I was growing up and um, also made me feel so isolated. Mm. I was having panic attacks. I didn't know what it was. And looking back, I can see that I had anxiety from when I was like in my memories when I was five years old. Mm. It's just um, that would be heartbreaking for me if that was my child and I I knew um, I knew what it was and I and I didn't help them through that yeah. because it it is a lot you are so tangled you don't know um, what's you what's not you you just blame it all on yourself mm. and you carry that with you and so I went to the doctors in my twenties and it actually got to a point where I was having panic attacks. Um, I didn't know there were panic attacks. And I didn't know when, I didn't even know what the word anxiety was or meant or anything. Mm. And I remember I was, I was saying to a, a girlfriend of mine at work, I was like, oh, it's so funny. Like some days I feel like, I'm not in my head and I start to see stars and I can't breathe properly and I just feel really weird. So I was like thinking, am I having a heart attack? What the fuck is this? Um, and she's like, oh, maybe you should go see a doctor. And I was like, okay. Um, and then I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I suck at that. I mean, <laughs> hands up. Anyone who sucks at taking care of themselves and going to see a doctor. <laughs> but then I changed jobs and, you know, the Devil Wears Prada, the movie. Mm-hmm. I worked for this entrepreneur and he was in his mid-30s and I was like 24 years old and he was like the Devil Wears Prada. What's her name? Um, it's just meant to be Anna Wintour in the movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so he was that boss. Like literally he got a boat and one day he was screaming at me because the boat couldn't get from one port to another because it was so windy and stormy that there was no possible way I could get over. Like he literally blamed me for the weather. And I saw that scene in Devil Wears Prada where there's like the typhoon or something. Yeah. And she's like, get me on a plane. And she's like, everything's closed. And I was like, oh, that's my life. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, it was horrible. And I remember... There's so many fun stories from that time, <laughs> but also it was soul shattering. And I would go to Blackburn Station, the train station, every morning. And I didn't know why, but the train station, like the train would come, the doors would open, people would go in, and I'd look at all those faces on the carriage, and I'd take a step forward, and I just couldn't get on. I was like paralyzed. I could not make myself get on the train mm. I was like what the fuck is wrong with me like I can't do it and I'd, I'd stare back the doors would close and I'd go oh. and then I'd wait for the next train to go 
sometimes I could get on the second train, sometimes it would be the third or fourth. Mm. And, you know, I think it then moved into this um, experience where because I was working in the city, I would be in crowds in the city and I would just get so overwhelmed to have panic attacks and Mm. still not know what was going on. So where we were working at the time, because his business got bought out by a bigger business, we moved offices, and then they had, like, proper things, um, like support structures for people who wanted free counselling sessions and Mm. things like that. So I went, and then I found out I had anxiety. And I guess that was the start of going, oh, okay, it's something that can be named and identified. Mm. And the psychologist I saw was shit. She was so shit. (laughs) She was like, oh, have you eaten? It's your blood sugar. So just make sure when you're on a tram or a train, just have a bottle of water and a muesli bar and that will help. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure it feels a bit deeper than that. (laughs) Like I get it. Like, you know, those things do help. That's part of a toolkit. Are you hydrated? Are your physiological needs met? But also don't turn a mental health condition into like... You need a snack. I have... <laughs> Fuck off. I have low blood sugar. <laughs> no, wait. No, the world is okay again. I had my measly bath. Yay, well done. <laughs> We've solved it. <laughs> Oh, my God. Why aren't you on Oprah right now? Because I think you've just saved the world. (laughs) Fucking muesli bar. And then it was just slowly, slowly trying to unravel those pieces. And I think it's only, you know, now in the last couple of years, um, I went on meds. That helped. I read books. Sometimes that helped. Um, I've had close people say to me, oh, I just did meditation for three days and I'm cured. That did not help. Um, (laughs) You weren't cured by muesli bar and three days of meditation? No. (laughs) Shocker. What's wrong with me? (laughs) (laughs) So it's just just a very long process of understanding these bits and trying to name them and then saying – yeah, like when I'm feeling something, has a boundary been crossed? Am I needing something? Mm. Or is this outside of me? Even like I used to be on planes. I never had a problem being on planes. I love planes. I've been travelling since I was a child. And then I had some race. And then I always think, I think I said this on Friday, every time I have a baby, like, Something comes out your womb, but something breaks in your brain, and it, it, it's just it's a smash now. But <laughs> something broke in my brain, and I was fearful on airplanes. And then it got to the point where I would just think about it. I wouldn't have to be on one, but my body would react. Like if it saw one or if it heard the noise or if I was sitting on one and we hadn't taken off yet. The physiological response would start Mm. and then the mental response. But that was actually a really important thing for me because I was like, huh, 
this is learned. My body learned to react like this. Mm. And I'm like, okay, well, if I could build those neural pathways even in a really negative way, surely I can help build more positive ones in response. Mm. And it might not work for this, um, but it might help with just the little things. And when I feel it start in my body, I go, okay, that's not me. My senses have picked up that I'm not in a safe space and this is my reaction to that. So that mm. was hugely helpful for me because it wasn't like, oh, I'm so emotional, everything is just like, you know, and I'm this mad woman. <laughs> it's like, it was like, wow, the body is um, really, it, it really incredible and it's mm. trying to warn me here of something yeah. and I need to pay attention and help it remember that it's safe. Uh, yeah. See, like I said, so articulate. Aren't you so glad we're doing this vlog? I really am. <laughs> I'm having the best time. I mean, we're just blabbing away. I love it. No, this, this, <laughs> this is so critical. And, like, everyone that – you just keep laughing. Everyone that I talk to, like, not everyone. That's ridiculous. Um, a lot of people I talk to have anxiety and mm. are moms and have a very similar experience, if not their parents. Yeah. And – if not, they have anxiety. Those categories cover so many people's experiences. Yeah. And just hearing from someone who's had that experience and moved through it and said, fuck you to mom guilt is a really powerful and comforting thing to hear. Yeah. So thank you for sharing. Right. Thank you for listening. Yeah. <laughs> for being... Recording in Hawaii on a clean bed. I know. Next to a I love it. I love it. What do you feel like, um, you know, being a mom and being here and traveling and doing all the things that we're actually talking about, what do you feel like you've taken away from this trip? Thank you for asking. <laughs> I love being asked questions. <laughs> um. This is the longest I've been away from my daughter. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the first solo trip I've taken since she's been born. Oh, how old is she now? She's four and a half. <gasps> funny. But I think it was Thursday night. Um, I was meeting with Julie and Jade and everyone. Jade and Laura and Joe before um, the event. And they were talking about very similar topics and Julie was giving me some encouragement around that and I I feel so many things about being a parent that mm. like I didn't feel like I had access to before because it is having your heart outside of your body mm. in a way that you can see hurt and pain visibly and feel it for someone else even when you can't for yourself mm. And it's on the plane here because I'd been up for 16 hours. I was like weeping and typing in my phone, like all the, all the feelings about like, I wish I could have done this different and like known better, you know, known things I know now then and like have delighted in her more. And like there, there's a lot of feelings around like, I wish 
I had like more emotional capacity when she was first born and like, you know, we're always growing and changing. And there is a part of me that grieves that the healing that I have now is something that I can't offer her back then. Um, but I, I really want to give her a parent, especially a mom who knows how to be herself and owns that and who she can see doing what she loves and respect that. Because I want her to know that she's capable of that in her blood and bones. Mm. Like, so accessible because she's seen it happen. Yeah. And I want to build something that is able to support her in college and able to support her decision to do a weird internship or like, <laughs> you know, like I want, I want that kind of resource to give her mm. and just say like, yeah, we'll help you. Or I can help you do this thing or that thing. And like you said earlier, just like allow her to pursue the things that feel really good to her. So that's kind of like my grander vision is just like, you hate the school, you feel trapped and unsafe. Great. We'll put you somewhere else. Mm. Like I know there's, there's challenges and shit we can work through too, but I'm not for like, I'm not for having my kids be martyrs for some cause. Mm. (laughs) I just like, I'm not, I'm going to give, I'm going to give her the best of what I can. Yeah. I think it actually makes me really sad to hear you say the words I wish though. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, because I know you tried. And I think, like, so often we show up in the best way we can. We don't feel like it's enough. But at the time, that's all you could do. Yeah. And I know I start weeping. <laughs> yeah. You know. And I think as parents, there is so much of that, you know, I wish I was there when, I wish I had been better, I wish that I had given this. Mm. But we did what we could, you know. Yeah. And that's all our kids can ever ask for. Mm. They don't ask for more than that and they just want you and something that I've always done with Cerise in particular because, you know, my family are very much stiff upper lip, Brit, Scottish, you know, things hidden in cupboards. We don't talk about things to the children. I've always made a pact and that is my kids will know everything, good and bad. And as long as it doesn't hurt them, but it strengthens us as a family, they have the right to know. Mm. And I remember when I was going through my separation and divorce with Cerise's father, and I would just spend every day crying, like uncontrollably crying. (laughs) I would show up only laughing because it seems so ridiculous now. Like, (laughs) You show up for like a Zoom call or you go to school 
drop off and you're like, hi, yes, everything's fine. And then you get in the car and you're just like, <laughs> put on Lana Del Rey. <laughs> it's like endless sobbing, <laughs> whatever the situation. And I, the one person I can't hide from is my daughter. Like, and nor um, do I want to, mm. you know. Um, and I would just, you know, she'd be like, are you okay, mummy? Um, and sometimes I'd be like, oh, I have a thing called anxiety. Mm. I'm not feeling great right now. It means that I feel like I'm panicking or I'm scared. I just need a moment. What would really help me is a hug or just mummy is really, really sad today mm. or whatever it was. So she was about four uh, five at this time. And I only got to that point because I spent, you know, a bit of time with the I wish I. Mm. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to feel that because it hurts. Yeah. It hurts so much because what can you do? You can't Nothing. change it. And mm. when you look back, you know, and how I said to you, I know you showed up in the best way you can. Sometimes it feels like you don't have the strength or the energy to be the person you want to be. It's not possible to be that version of yourself mm. every day, all the time. And after I had a few of those I wishes, I just knew that I, I can't live my life wishing you know, and if I can't be perfect, if I can't always show up and be who I want to be for her, then who can I be? I can be myself, I can be vulnerable, I can be honest, and I can show her what it's like to be a mother, mm. to be a parent, and to be a fucking human. <laughs> I'm yes. human. Mm. I have always had trouble acknowledging that, always. Mm. It's not until I had her that I realise I have to be okay with it mm. because if I'm not, then she won't be okay with who she is and that's fucked. Yeah. I'm just I'm just taking that in. Thank you. Yeah. It feels really healing to hear you say that, especially that you had a few of my wishes before moving on from that. That's I think that's really the space that I'm in is doing the work of letting that go mm. because it's, it doesn't serve mm. anything. I think that for me is just one of the waves that is like, I'm realizing is not, is not me. It's not something I need to do anything about. I can just like, let it go. You know, it's not trying to teach me anything. It's not here for a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> just let it go back out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're a wonderful mom. So are you. Such a great mama. Thank you so much for this. I'm going to stop recording so I can hug you. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Thank you all for joining me today. If you are wanting one-on-one -on -one support to help you step into trusting yourself, seeing your own magic, and building the life that you want, you can contact me on my website. The website is below in the show notes. I hope you all have a bitchin' day.